Welcome to VR in Education. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of VR in Education. In today's episode, we're going to focus on the deployment and creation of immersive educational content. So we've learned, hopefully, many lessons from this ongoing pandemic, especially when it comes to educating and learning people. So one big takeaway that I think upskilling students and employees is that Zoom and other conferencing platforms may not really garner the level of engagement we need to master learning outcomes in our business or even within our schools. So we're, we're so fortunate to have Ben Bort, CEO of Facilitate, and Philip Saylor, the Chief Experience Officer, on the show today to talk about, of course, VR, but also 3D spatial mediums in general and how we might use them to enhance our institutional learning goals. So welcome to the show, Ben and Philip. Thank you. Thanks, Craig. Yeah, very nice to be here. Absolutely. You know, I always open up with the origin story question. So, you know, why don't I start with you, Ben? What got you interested in VR and 3D spatial content in the first place? Um, well, I mean, for me, I've always had a, a, a real passion for understanding how people um, really develop their skills and learn new knowledge. Um and this this goes back through to to my schooling days, um, uh, but then you know I, I actually come from a legal background, originally a lawyer. Um, please don't hold that against me. I don't practice law anymore. <laughs> um, but then I had had the opportunity to do an MBA, and the last part of that was um, in Silicon Valley, and that was when Google came out with their VR um, cardboard headset, and I was just blown away by the potential of of you know that version of VR, even though it was it was very rudimentary. Um, just, it gave me an inkling that there was um, something more that we could be doing to help the, the learning experience. Um, so mm. that, that really was it for me. And um, yeah, started the business through an accelerator program uh, back in 2016. Um, yeah, and haven't looked back. How about you, Philip? Yeah, a little bit similar. So I was, uh, I'm a psychologist by profession. And so, you know, I'm fundamentally interested in, in the way um, people make sense of, of their experiences they have in, in their lives. And look, I knew VR existed, but, uh, you know, I never really paid much attention to it. And then Ben reached out one day and, and, and you know, invited me to, to come and have a bit of a chat. And, uh, yeah, he sort of showed me a bit what, what, you know, the art of the possible. And I thought, oh, wow, this, this, this really has got a lot of potential, as, as Ben said. Um, so yeah, I, I came on board pretty early, and um, I'm, I'm fundamentally really interested in experiences that we make in life and how they shape our life. And that, that at its very core, you know, that's that, that sort of feedback you get from life experiences. That's learning at its simplest, you know. Um, so mm. yeah, that really mm. appealed to me, and um, yeah, and the rest is history, as they say. So yeah. <laughs> Speaking of experiences, more and more institutions, including schools, are leaning in and showing way more emphasis on soft skills. Mm -hmm. And I don't know whether that's 
thanks to being driven from industry. You know, we hear stories in vignettes of mm. how, how Google emphasizes it and so on. I, I noticed that you guys, from your website and then just looking at what you do on LinkedIn, you know, you have a number of use cases for teaching employees or people in general soft skill education. Does one of you want to unpack that for us? Mm. Yeah, sure. I can. I can have a little bit of a go at that one. Um, yeah. So, look, I think uh, you, the point you make is absolutely true. I think a lot of uh, industries now are really recognising that the the core skills of the future are definitely um, include soft skills to to a large extent. Um, so we recognise that that quite early on, um, and really that's coupled with with the power of VR as an ability, as a, as a technology to create experiences, quite powerful experiences, and to do so quite, you know, quite quickly and efficiently. Um, so really combining those two, it makes, it makes a lot of sense to use that, to use that medium um, for soft skills. And we get a lot of inquiries, um, you know, when, when, when clients talk to us that soft skills is actually, to be honest with you, it's probably one of the more difficult ones to do well in VR, but it's certainly one of the more beneficial mm-hmm. ones. And we do get a lot of, uh, yeah, we do get a lot of inquiries around that, how they can use that uh, in their businesses. So um, I think it's definitely going to be a big, a big growth area for the technology in particular. Um, yeah, it's any, yeah, anything else right. there, Ben? Yeah. No, I mean, but the only other thing I'd add is. Um, you know, I, I guess it's not just for, uh, for soft skills, but, you know, VR's ability to allow you to practice something that's either going to be awkward, um, mm. dangerous or, um, you know, risky within a professional sense. Um, mm. You know, it's it's unique. You put someone in that realistic environment to, uh, to practice an interaction that if they got wrong could end in disaster, you know, in, in terms of, a, say, for example, a, a leadership uh, management uh, discussion with an employee um, around performance, something like that. So, um, yeah, there, as Philip's saying, there, there is huge potential for this technology going forward um, with so many areas within the soft skills realm. Would would you find that many companies would tie in employment, i.e., like poor performance versus good performance, to whether they keep their job or not? So. What, what I say by that is, you know, let's say you guys have created an amazing uh, experience to practice a certain skill mm. and a company wants to use that to tie it to, you know, their, their yearly or, you know, half year through to their performance assessment, which may or may not keep them employed. Do, do they take it to that degree or is it more formative feedback for employees that you see uh, the VR experiences being used for? Mm. Yeah, interesting question. Uh, I mm. think in the Australian context, it's definitely the latter. Um, certainly mm. from, from what we hear, it's it's more around training. It's not an assessment tool. Um, mm. There they has their... I mean, it might have been the odd, the odd one or two, but it's certainly the majority would be in the uh, from a learning learning and development point of view, uh, largely. Mm. Um, I think from a psycho, I have a reasonable background in in psychometrics and you know measuring these sorts of things. So, if you are going to tie, um, you know, selection and assessment and uh, advancement um, outcomes 
to to any form of assessment, you you need to demonstrate a relative amount of validity and reliability in that assessment, uh, and that that can just add a little bit of complexity to it. You, you know, from a learning point of view, you, you arguably don't need as as much robustness in that. Um, so I think that's probably one of the reasons potentially why it's not not that popular, at least in in our context. Yeah, mm. certainly a, a quite a significant growth area we, we believe for the future, but. Um, yeah, probably quite a lot of work that needs to be done um, before there's sort of mass usage of VR as a, as a uh, assessment tool. Yeah, and I mean, Ben, you being a lawyer, you know, I bet you there's a lot of liability there if you rely heavily, too heavily on a virtual reality experience as a, a metric for how well someone's doing in their job and, you know, you can't prove as Philip said, mm. with a high degree that it is incredibly aligned with mm. the real life, you know, you yeah. could have people suing you, right? Mm. No, well, that's that's exactly right. Um, mm. So it's it's certainly a balancing act that it, that employers would need to take um, with using this technology for that purpose. Um, you know, Philip, with with his background, I know we've previously talked about you could use a VR assessment as maybe one of a number of um, a sort of uh, points. That's uh, right. Yeah, but but not as the number one determinant because there's yeah there's still too many unknowns. Um, you know, even relating to when someone behaves in a certain way within a simulation. You know, uh, do you do you really know the reason why? Is it because they're actually uncomfortable in the headset or? Um, mm. that they're, you know, distracted ab- about something else. Um, you know, so it's, it's yeah, it's still very early days, I think, in, in that regard, yeah. Mm. The other unique thing that really uh, struck a chord with me in a positive way was the, the notion that I saw that you use or often use, I don't know if you use them all the time, but you often will use live actors. I don't know whether that's in substitution or instead of, AI avatars, but tell me a bit more about how you use live actors for some of your sessions. Yeah, um, well, uh, basically, you're, you're talking about our, our role play creator. Um, so this this allows a, a learning designer who, who may already have a bank of um, scenarios that they use in in classroom environments um, to actually create their own um, immersive learning role play experiences. So. Um, they would typically be two people who are getting together to have uh, some sort of um, soft skills based interaction, um, you know, aw- awkward conversations, uh, difficult conversations, etc. Um, you know, there's a few reasons why we went down that path. Um, you know, one being that it, it is actually quite difficult to, to beat a real human um, interacting with you. Um, AI interactions obviously improving um, very fast, but it's still not the the same experience, um, and, and it's also you know very difficult, and very um, expensive, and complex to actually go and create out these um, these uh, AI algorithms and, and databases and information. Um, and there are providers out there who are doing a very good job um, in this, but um, there's very limited uh, flexibility uh, in terms of customizing those experiences to your organization's unique circumstance. Um, so, and, you know, one of the underlying purposes of Facilitate really is to empower trainers, um, you know, educators and learning designers to uh, leverage their existing ex- um, expertise via the platform's creation tools. Um, so then they can generate their own content um, in this 
you know, in this case, role play scenarios. Um, and they can do this without software development uh, skills and, you know, they can use their existing resources. So um, it allows for a lot more dynamic and rapid content creation um, in that, that respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a try at it. Thank you guys for giving me uh, access to uh, playing around in there. And one area that um, I did try sort of creating some experiences was with the 360 videos mm. and I could plop down 360 photos. Mm. And that, that wasn't new to me, but what I did find new and so easy to do was once I've sort of uploaded or found a good 360 photo or video, your system generates these waypoints, which then give the learner something to look at, which again, having been in lots of different VR scenarios, you know, that's, that was always missing. I, I either had to be there live in a, in a mm-hmm. you know, something like Altspace or Engage to be able to prompt someone to say, okay, you know, have a look at this. Whereas you guys, again, have these little tags and waypoints, which, uh, which was brilliant. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a great idea to, to get people's attention because 360, you have so much agency, you can look around, yeah, right. up and down, but having a little waypoint there is so brilliant. Mm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We, the these sort of different interaction points that that we've built into the system, um, you know, we find are quite effective. As you're saying with agency, you you know, you give um, give the learner just a number of options to engage with the content, not just be a, a passive observer, really. Mm. Um, yeah, so there's a variety of ways that they can be used, you know, from, um, I guess, deepening the level of information that um, that's available within that 360 environment, you know, by including 2D videos, images, um, text, um, through to um, those waypoints that actually allow you to travel to different locations as well. So for things like site induction um, can be very effective um, to, to combine different bits of media so the images and videos um to create like a virtual tour of sorts um Mm. then you can teleport from location to location um yeah so from an organization's point of view in particular when they've got a large number of uh new starters you know for example on um a mine site or um or with even within the you know, the uh, tertiary space when they are uh, bringing in a whole bunch of new students at the beginning of the year, that, that can be a great way to, to cut costs, um, but give someone a, that uh, that experience like they're actually going going to the location. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm. I don't know if you had anything I to couldn't add to help that. No, no, I think that's about right. I yeah. couldn't help but... Th- mm. I couldn't help but think about, uh, again, coming a bit from more from the education or school background, mm. how... You know, from time and time again, as teachers, we work hard at reducing anxiety on kids when it comes to fire drills, for example. And I thought, Mm -hmm. wouldn't it be brilliant for a school to use your program or, you know, consult you to design, you know, a 3D walkthrough of how to exit the building in various different classrooms Mm -hmm. as a, as a, you know, a temporary sort of release of anxiety for a lot of kids who, you know, nowadays, you know, the number keeps going up and up, mm-hmm. get really anxious when real live fire drills happen. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Definitely. I mean, that's, that's right. And, you know, again, with the technology being so flexible, you can, you know, this was done in the early days with, with clinical psychology as a big use case. Um, and again, you can, 
you can ramp up if you like the level of um, of stimulation. You know, you can build an experience that starts out quite quite subtle. You know, and you might have another experience once they've gone through that first one, which then sort of makes it a little bit more realistic, and you know, you start to elicit a little bit more of the emotions underlying it. Um, so you can really sort of ratchet ratchet it up instead of you know, as you said, you know, you do a full real live drill, and it's just overwhelming for everyone. Um, so that's yeah, it's again the flexibility mm. of the technology. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as um, as you're talking, then Craig as well. Um, it was just there's another sort of a similar way that we're actually using technology with a um, a customer over here, a hospital who they have a problem with their ICU patients because they're mm-hmm. they're immobilised. They're not actually able to um, you know go around the the ICU ward to just find out, okay, what's happening around me? Why is there all this noise, all this motion? Um, and so we're actually uh, starting to use VR to um, lower their anxiety by giving them sight tours um, so they have an understanding of of the environment around them to, um, mm. yeah, I guess to ease that, that whole patient experience in a way. Mm. Yeah. Mm, thank you. Do you get more requests or see more traffic using Facilitate for the 360 photos and waypoints and stuff, or is it overwhelming, overwhelmingly more people that are looking for more of the full-on VR experiences where, you know, what's happening in front of them obviously is, you know, v- virtual avatars and, mm. you know, objects moving within their space, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a good question. It's good a bit question. of a mix, to be honest. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, almost every organisation we talk to has a different use case um, that stems back to what are the, the learning objectives that they're trying to meet, you know, what's the underlying mm. learning problem that, that the existing mediums they're using aren't able to solve. Um, mm. So it, it is, to be honest, it's very, very diverse. Um, mm. I mean, I and, think, uh, yeah. yeah, sorry, it's safe to say, I think in the early days, uh, a lot of the customers that came, there was a bit of a... Um, a preference towards full simulations you know they had gone somewhere and had a really great experience a game and it's like wow this is this is amazing let's do learning like this um but i think over the years it's matured a little bit in the sense that you can't put the technology first you know as, as a psychologist my things always you know start with with um, what's the behavior that you're trying to change you know ultimately learning's behavior change and then, as Ben said, you go from there, you go to the learning objective, and then you pick the medium that's most appropriate for that. Mm. So if that's 360, then so be it. And if that is a simulation, you know, with avatars and all that, you know, explosions and all that fancy stuff, then so be it. That That's <laughs> that's the appropriate medium. But you have to sort of start with the learning objective first. Um, and I think that, you know, in, in the very early early years, it was a little bit, that wasn't that thought, you know, sort of hadn't, hadn't come through with a lot of the clients we were talking to. But now it's, yeah, I think it's, mm. it's like Ben said, it's real mixed now. People realise that, you know, with 360 you get much more visual fidelity. It's much more visually more accurate. And for interpersonal skills where you're looking for subtle body language cues and shifts in, you know, mm. in the way people are moving, you, you know, it's very difficult to do with um, with simulation at the moment. That'll change, no doubt. But, yeah, so... Your website also talks a bit about another kind of training that we haven't broached yet, and that is procedural training, like, you know, how to how to put something together or how to take apart an engine. On your website, I believe it 
gives an example of a fuse box demo. Mm-hmm. Can you talk more about procedural learning or even sort of unpack the fuse box, de- dem- fuse box demo and how that works yeah. with VR? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess from a sort of learning domain point of view, you can sort of broadly classify learning into, you know, declarative knowledge, which is sort of facts, procedural learning, which is more steps of in, in a sequence, um, psychomotor skills, which is more about, you know, how you move your appendages, and the last one sort of broadly being affective learning, so learning to deal with emotions. So the procedural one is, yeah, as I said, it, it's really about uh, not so much the the facts or the actual physical way you move something, but the procedure, uh, and that's very common to a lot of um, yeah, industrial equipment is, is sort of um, a big area for us um, over here. Um, so you have quite complex equipment and to take something apart and put it back together, you have to follow a certain procedure. Um, so that's really what we've what we've done with, with the micro simulations, we call them, and the fuse box demonstration is an example of this. And, and a micro simulation essentially is just a very stripped down version of a, a big simulation. It doesn't have a full... Uh, you know, um, fancy environment and everything is interactive. It just focuses on the object, the piece of equipment that's in front of the learner. Um, so this allows it to be quite a lot more cost-effective and agile. Um, and essentially, yeah, this use case sort of typifies that that procedural step-by-step um, that you need to, to operate a lot of industrial equipment safely. Um, so really you can go from anywhere from a fire extinguisher through to a maintenance procedure on a heavy, you know, heavy plant equipment or something like that. Um, so, yeah, Facilitate allows you to upload a 3D model. So in this case, it was a fuse box that we did. Um, and then you can add interactions to that model. Um, and then you have a set of procedural instructions that you can add as well. So the learner then goes in and they see the instructions um, and they then follow them. So the first one with the fuse box demo is you open, you, know, you open the cover. So they reach out, they open the cover. have to flick um, two of the circuit breakers off. They have to remove the fuse. And then they put the fuse back in, turn the, the circuit breaker back on, and close the box. So it's it's, it's just a basic illustration of um, of what's possible with using uh, with the with the learning the learning designers bringing their own three D model, which they might have from suppliers mm-hmm. of equipment, for example, and then uploading that into Facilitate and overlaying it with some interactions and some instructions and labels and those sorts of things. Um, yeah. So. Is is time ever important in doing these? Like, so uh, obviously no one's going to get hurt, but you know, do you, do you give the learner as much time as they want to do this, or do you uh, scale it up and say, okay, you know, the first time you go in as a repetition, I want you to try it, but we're we're not going to run a clock or have any time. But you know, as you start to do more reps, I want you to get it under. 30 seconds, et cetera, et cetera. Is that important? Mm. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, look, at the moment we haven't, we haven't focused that much on time. Um, it, it has been more about uh, correct correct procedure. Um, it, is, it is a relatively mm. uh, new thing that we've introduced. Um, but, look, yeah, you could certainly do that um, from a learning point of view, exactly like you said. You, you know, you'd start with some, some basic run-throughs first and then you can sort of uh, ramp the pressure up a little bit. Um, but yeah, so it really, again, it depends on the learning objective that, you know, that you're trying to, to achieve. Um, is it a fluency speed thing that you're going for or is it more critical that, um, you know, safety or absolutely getting the correct procedure is, 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 is more important than, than speed in some cases. So, 
I think it comes back down to that learning objective. But mm. Mm. yeah, one more question for you, Philip. I'm sorry to leave you on the sidelines, Ben. But uh, <laughs> no worries, Philip. You had a, a great blog post that said it was titled "How Effective Is Virtual Reality for Learning?" And in it was uh, a little sort of section or narrative about how important it is to make sure that we design VR experiences so that people have to make choices instead of just sort of do this first, do, do that next, because those choices could lead to mistakes, which you called uh, essential for learning. Mm. Tell me about more about that, because you and I are definitely uh, in synergy with this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good to hear. Yeah, um, so, oh, look, really... Learning, learning. I guess, yeah. As I said, right at the very beginning, like all experiences we have in 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 the world are sort of interactions in a way. So you know, I mean, to get a little bit psychological, we have we have schemas or causal models about how the world works. And you know, if I do this, then this happens. And these models, as an adult, you know, you constantly refine these in in a, in a domain. You know, so say so in your job. Um, you, ha- you have that. You have those calls and models, and you're continuously refining them. But in order to do that, um, one of the key things that you need is you need the op- the opportunity for meaningful interaction. So you have to be able to pull certain levers, and you then have to see what the outcome of that of your actions are. So then that allows you to refine that that calls and model, and you better understand the world. Um, you know, as adults, we we don't need we don't need to have that directly. You know, there's there's such things as modelling, so, so where we can theoretically say, you know, if this person does that, then I can observe what happens to someone else. I don't have to go through the experience myself. But for basic stuff, certainly for for the procedural learning and those sorts of things, um, yeah, absolutely, interactions are incredibly important. Um, and on top of that, uh, is mis- is mistakes. So. Mistakes are really just another form of feedback, uh, a very powerful one. And again, here with VR, you can really start to play a little bit with with these levers. So you you know you can have a learning experience where the where the um, person makes a mistake, and you can the feedback you give them then you can make you can ramp that up a little bit from an emotional point of view, from a consequential point of view. So when it does happen, it's more than just you know a, a screen telling you I oh, know that answer is incorrect. It's like you know, something something quite um, emotionally significant might happen in the experience, uh, and that you know that's going to be much more um, that's going to have a stronger learning impact um, for sure than you know than just saying you made it you made a mistake. Um, so yeah, I mean I think I think interactions and feedback and, and mistakes of just being another form of that uh, are absolutely essential to learning. Um, and yeah, what I really like about the technology is that. You can do this. You can do this in other mediums, right? You don't need VR to create interactions and provide feedback, of course. But what it is is with VR, you can do it. You can do it a lot faster. You can make more powerful experiences with more powerful feedback, as I said, uh, and you can do that much, much more quickly and easily. Um, you know, in, in a learning uh, environment as a learning designer. Um, yeah. So does that? I don't know, have I answered your question there? So. <laughs> yeah, fantastic job. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm worried that Ben's going to fall asleep here, so I'm going to shoot <laughs> a question back his way. Uh, ben, tell us a little bit more about you know 2022 for facilitate. What does the future hold? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not saying you know share all your trade secrets so that uh, you know people copy you, but uh, you know, tell me how you 
what are your goals for either first quarter or the whole year? Yeah, no, sure. Um, but I mean, taking it really a step back, our our mission um, is is to positively impact a billion lives uh, through better learning experiences, and this really is the main driver for why we created Facilitate in the first place. Um, you know, we, we really want to democratize the learning creation process uh, for immersive learning because, um, we you know, we view this as, as a significant bottleneck um, and barrier that is preventing the technology reaching its full potential and, and actually reaching more learners as well. Mm. Um, so I guess, you know, our, our entire focus is on Facilitate being as intuitive and flexible um, in that creation process. And so throughout this year, we'll be continuing, you know, to enhance the, the tools and make that creation experience sharing process even easier and powerful for learning designers and um, trainers, SMEs, educators, etc. cetera. Um, so I guess also from another angle, uh, one of our key goals uh, for 2022 is to find and work with you know, more quality partners that are specializing in delivering VR learning services and content around the world. Um, you know, we, we're currently working with a range of partners um, in quite diverse ways. So from, you know, the VR and ed tech consultants, um, development agencies, resellers, um, and, you know, the hardware manufacturers as well, of course. Um, so, yeah, you know, certainly if... Um, you know, any of your listeners are, are keen to, to learn more about how we could potentially work together. We'd, we'd yeah, absolutely love to have a chat with them. Um, gentlemen, anything left unsaid that maybe you would want the audience to hear? Maybe Philip or I know, uh, Ben, you just gave us a great sort of vision. And uh, I, I echo sort of your sentiments, and that is that, uh, you know, VR is definitely a much better way to learn. Mm. And I feel like, you know, as much as many people criticize Meta, which used to be Facebook, you know, I think they helped catapult a number of us who uh, were smaller players in the VR industry uh, to get people more interested and excited about it in the first place. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's... You know, yeah, the whole industry obviously um, gets pushed forward when when you have such large companies, um, you know, so dedicated to to um, bringing this this technology to to the masses. So, um, yeah, it, it certainly bodes for in interesting times um, with with how the the space unfolds. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I had something. I don't know, Philip, if you had anything else to add. But one just other really thing, short. Um, but you go first. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, the pandemic is really, it's forced a bit of a digital mandate on onto everyone um, in the learning space. So, you know, be it within education or, or workplaces, you know, really wherever. Um, but, you know, many organisations that are today using video conferencing or e-learning prior to the pandemic, this, you know, this wasn't even a remote possibility for them, um, no, no pun intended. Um, but, you know, we really encourage any organization that is hitting up against the limitations of those mediums, um, you know, things like low engagement and learner satisfaction rates and, um, you know, really struggling to find the effective options to apply knowledge within practical settings, um, you know, start considering immersive learning and, and you know, take a, a leap towards this this technology, um, you know, because we, we really believe that this can be done via 
you know, proof of concepts that are either low or no cost, um, you know, and organizations can really begin to understand where and how the technology can be applied um, with low risk to their, their learning programs and the ultimate beneficiaries are going to be the, the learners that, that go through those programs. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that that's probably the only other thing I'd add. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just a quick one from me. I mean, um, look, it's a very powerful technology from – you have the ability to create experiences for people that are very realistic, that are very close to real life. Um, and with power comes responsibility, as we all know. So I think, you know, um, definitely embrace it, like Ben said, and, you know, from the psychologist in me is just just remember, when you know, if you're a learning designer or, or you're in that space, um, it's just, just put, yeah, put the psychology first, put the learning first and the person first and then and then go to the technology. You know, there there is... You know, there's a lot of sort of sex appeal with VR and all these these cutting edge technologies and um, you know rushing out and, and, and going in there and, and by all means there's a lot of potential there but um, yeah start with start with the outcomes that we're trying to achieve for people and then you know move to the technology um, I think in the long run you'll get better content you better quality content and better use of the technology anyway um, if you if you're approaching it like like that so that'd be that'd be my my recommendation yeah there. yeah. Mm. Well said, gentlemen. Well, that's a that's kind of a good way to, to end this. If people want to get a hold of you, how might they best find you guys? Um, well, either you know, head to our website or or just send us an email. Um, we're always happy to, to jump on a, a video call and have a chat. Um, so our, our website is facilitate.tech. Um, and yeah, our, our email uh, inquiries with an e at unleashed hyphen vr.com yeah they're probably the best ways awesome i'll put that in the show notes so people can see that i really uh, appreciate you guys uh from down under talking to me about vr and uh you know hopefully people learned a lot i love how uh you know you put the learning first uh as a teacher myself i know uh that's got to be first and foremost you know lots of technology kind of suffers from the collecting dust where you know it's was a fad mm. and then you know we we sort of lose interest and part of that if you look at the history on why certain technology doesn't work out it's because uh, as philip said we didn't necessarily use it for the right uh case mm. and so yeah. understanding that is is so key to people right mm, absolutely yeah mm. no, definitely mm. Well, gentlemen, I know it's super warm down there, so hopefully uh, you can find some air conditioning. And thanks uh, so much for being on the show. Thank you, oh, Craig. Thank you very much, Craig. Absolute yeah, pleasure. It was great to have a chat. Mm.